the Below Average Joe's MMA Show present the weekend preview. And we are previewing everything from UFC Orlando this Saturday, including Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Kevin Holland and Bam Bam Brian Barbarina versus Rafael Dos Anjos. Great fight night card there in Orlando. We're also talking about Conor McGregor being sued and Patty Pimblett's dog took a nasty shit. All this and more, and it all starts right now. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining us, episode 253. I am one half of your hosting duo. My name is Noah Baker. The man to my right is the lovely, voluptuous Dominic Salee. Dominic, how are you doing on this cool Thursday? I'm doing well, Noah. Thank you for asking, as you always do. It's got to be the most underrated part about Noah's personality is the constant um, care that he shows for myself. So I do appreciate it, Noah. I believe it's going to be a very good weekend. UFC Orlando, Florida, back in front of the crowd, which means we have a stacked fight night card to go over. Tons of ranked fighters, tons of fun fights. And we got a couple fun headlines as well, including some that talk about some dog doo-doo. It's going to be a good one, Noah. This last month of 2022, we're finishing strong. We're taking that momentum, and we're starting 2023 strong. I'm feeling myself today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Dominic. It's been a good day. Not for my internet. My internet is not doing very well. Hopefully, post-production. It does not show, but I'm sure it will. But with that, Dominic, you know who never fails me? Who would that be? That'd be our friends over at PointsBet Sportsbook. They are the official betting partner of the Below Average Joe's MMA show. And they have a great offer for you, the listener, you, the viewer. Right now, if you sign up with PointsBet Sportsbook, they are going to match 100% of your initial deposit up to $2,000. There are two ways to make good on this offer. One, you follow the link, you sign up for PointsBet Sportsbook, you put in your deposit, it gets matched. Or you download the PointsBet app, and when you sign up, you have to use code MMAJOES at sign up. And you get the disc, uh, offer. I almost said discount. Not a discount. 100% match. It's free money, people. So please bet responsibly. And with that, Dominic, let's get into our main event of UFC Orlando. So happy I don't have to say UFC Vegas. Insert number here for oh, yeah. like the 70th the damn time. But in our main event, Dominic, we will see Steven Wonderboy Thompson take on Ken Holland. Kevin Holland with one of the shortest retirements I've ever seen, and that is saying a lot in the sport of MMA because there are a lot of short retirements in this sport. But uh, he is uh, he is back. He's coming off that, of course, just crazy fight week with Hamzat Chev. He was originally scheduled to fight Daniel Rodriguez. Then after Hamzat came in like eight pounds overweight for his fight with Nate Diaz, all of a sudden... Kevin Holland was fighting Hamza Chimaev, which is, of course, a touch-up for him. And it looked every bit of that. While Wonderboy 
Thompson, Dom, is at one time former title challenger. He went to a draw in his first title fight at MSG against Tyron Woodley back in 2016. UFC 205 feels so long ago. Um, he was at one point in time one of the toughest fighters to really figure out in this division. He was so good in his striking and his movement, and he was really hard to take down. Very slippery is kind of how I would describe him. Um, he is older now, obviously. I believe he's 37, 38 years old. Uh, he's sort of coming towards the tail end of his career, and we're starting to see him slow a little bit. You know, he... Performances against the likes of Bilal Mook. I understand uh, Gilbert Burns also. Like Those are two of the top guys in the division. But I think when Stephen Thompson used to be one of the top guys in that division, I think that shows a little bit of regression. Now, I don't know if it's indicative that he is somehow washed and like not even a good fighter anymore. And we're really going to find that out, Dom, because he's ranked number six right now. He's going up against Kevin Holland, who's a very talented fighter, uh, both very talented strikers. But this is the type of fight that if Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is still really good fighter, or still top, you know, maybe the second level of this division, this is a fight that he should win. But dominant Kevin Holland, the favorite, so I think a lot of people buying into that regression on behalf of Stephen Thompson. Do you buy into that? Uh, it's interesting, Noah, and really it's interesting. This fight as a whole, the fact that this one came together is just a little odd to me. So you're going to have to walk with me here a little bit because obviously we know that the bad matchups for Stephen Wonderboy Thompson are with these very good grapplers that can hold him <coughs> down um, and not allow him to get off with his striking, right? Well, Kevin Holland, it's much the same. A very good grappler is his kryptonite, a Derek Brunson of Atori, and now Hamzat Chemayev this past or September, two and a half months ago now. So, like, yeah, now we put two strikers together. It should be a really fun fight. But if it is all in the striking realm, there's not many people better in that realm, regardless of age, than Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. So, call me crazy, no, I'm a bit surprised that Kevin Holland is a minus 150 favorite. I know it's nothing too large, nothing too crazy or drastic, but uh, I, I feel like this is a very, very coin flip fight to me, man. Like, I feel like overall Kevin Holland mm. probably still has a few more wrinkles because he is dangerous on the ground. I think he is underrated down there uh, offensively, right? I mean, if he's not worried about a defensive threat in terms of wrestling from Steven Wonderboy Thompson, maybe he can showcase that a little. But if you really had to force me to tell you how I think this fight's going to go, I see it on the feet for as long as it lasts, and I have a hard time giving Kevin Holland the upper hand uh, going tit-for-tat with Steven Thompson. So I kind of like Thompson as a dog in this fight, but am I going to bet on this fight? Absolutely not. I don't know who's going to win. I don't know how they're going to win. I don't know if it's going the distance, if it's getting finished. I know nothing about how this fight is going to play out, and that's why it makes me that much more invested and interested to see if Wonderboy still has it in him because Noah put it perfectly. This is the type of fight that he should win, and if he does, it kind of shows he's still got gas in the tank. And for Holland, he's essentially getting rewarded here because he's getting a top six opponent, and it is 
in his favor in terms of the style. So there's a lot of things I have my eye on here, Noah. Hopefully I didn't take away from anything you wanted to add on. I kind of rambled there, but you had to be with me. Oh, I, I was with you 100%, and I do that I will not be betting on that fight, but that's because I am suspended <laughs> from betting MMA until further notice. Uh, right. Check out last episode if you'd like to uh, learn why that is. But um, to keep going on this this fight specifically, I think the reason that Kevin Holland comes in a slight favorite, minus 150, uh, all these odds, by the way, from Points Bet Sportsbook, but I think the big reason for that is a mixture of factors here. Yes, yeah, Stephen Thompson, tit for tat, is the much more technical striker. But you look at the relative youth in comparison of Kevin Holland, the size advantage of Kevin Holland, the power advantage of Kevin Holland, and while I can't necessarily say he has a speed advantage, I do believe that that youthful vigor sort of gives him a little bit of twitch that Stephen Thompson used to be the absolute king of having that maybe is starting to slow down a little. The shots that he used to be able to avoid ever so slightly, you know, Kevin Holland's, or excuse me, Stephen Thompson has always been one of those guys who he doesn't have like a real high guard or whatever when he's in the pocket. You know, he leaves his chin out there. He leaves his head out there. But his movement's so good, he's able to just get out of range of those shots. But as he gets older, gets a little slower. The shots he used to be able to avoid with ease all of a sudden start landing. And it's not like Stephen Thompson had a granite chin. But a good chin, he's, you know, he's been in real back-and-forth wars. Like, you know, he Tyron Woodley cracked him in that first title fight. And he was able to come back and win rounds later. So, but uh, the chin, you know, it'll go. You know, he got knocked out cold against Anthony Pettis. As you get older, you know, more damage adds on the Jeff Neal fight. You know, that was a great performance by him. But even the few shots that Jeff Neal landed clean, you could tell had pretty big in him. And that's really what this comes down to, Dom, is, you know, I feel like Kevin Holland's going to be looking for the big shot here, and that's probably the right call normally you would say no normally you would say you need to have a better game plan than that in this case i feel like that's his route here if you're not gonna out russell you're not gonna i i don't see kevin allen even though he might have been working on his wrestling a lot he's got a good size advantage i don't think he's gonna look to russell mm-hmm. and even if he were to treat thompson got such good takedown defense you know, Gilbert Burns and Bilal Muhammad are a much different level of wrestling than Kevin Holland is. So if this fight remains standing, Kevin Holland has to use those advantages, the power, the size, to finish this fight. That's what bank on. Steven Thompson can go 25 minutes of in and out of the pocket, landing good jabs, good shots, but it only takes one to put him out. And I think that's kind of what these odds are banking on a little bit mixed in with the fact that Steven Thompson is getting older, looking like he's slowing down a little bit. It looks like it could be a good matchup for Colin to come in, get a name, get a win over a big name, a guy who has fought, who is still ranked in the top six, but maybe isn't at that level anymore. Um, I'm not sure if I agree with that. I think we'll see, 
because this is a lot different style matchup than what we've seen Wonderboy fight through the last couple fights he's been in. Um, but yeah, that's that's really what it comes down to here. I, I do agree with you. I look at it as a bit of a coin flip fight. But in some ways, I could see this fight going a bit like how the PFL Championships had the Marais squared. Marlon Marais versus Shaman Marais. Stylistically, Marlon Marais looked incredible for two rounds. He looked great. And then yes. beginning of round three, Shaman Marais lands a crazy punch, knocks him out. That's what I could see happening here. I could see it's five rounds, too. We're in about three. So Wonderboy's got to be able to be on his bike, be perfect, be out of the pocket, just enough shots, but without taking anything too big for 25 minutes. Can do it? He can. He's done it before, but he's also been on the receiving end of some pretty nasty shots in his past as well. So. Um, I'm very intrigued by it for sure because this could be a massive moment for Kevin Holland, Dom. Mm. We know he's a big, he's kind of got a name for himself at this point, but he kind of failed to cash in on building that name a little over a year ago when he was fighting in main events against Derek Brunson and Marvin Vittori. Um, those did not go his way. Now he's moved down to 70 pounds, which I think was a good move. Not just be a, a character in this sport, but to be a legitimate And I think that there is a good chance that he could win this fight. Yeah, I and uh, you know, for Kevin too, he is just now entering his prime. I agree with Noah that it does make sense for him to come to 170. I just think it fits his frame better. But he still is going to be bigger than a lot of these guys. He is significantly bigger than Wonder Boy. I'll be curious to see when they're face-to-face in the cage. And Noah too, do you kind of see that point or like i guess i guess i never even asked you this when this was made but what do you make of this fight just being booked in general kevin holland kind of saved a pay-per-view in a sense right with hamza stepping in and a day's notice to do that do you feel like him getting a crack here at number six steven wonderboy thompson and being that it is a favorable and again quote unquote there's no easy fights there in the ufc i get it but a more favorable matchup do you just feel like they're kind of giving him that chance because of what he did UFC 279 fight week. I'm curious. You know, I don't necessarily view this as a favorable matchup for him. It could be because, but we're kind of, at least for me, I'm kind of projecting that wonder boy could slow down a little bit more. Mm -hmm. You know, the matchups wonder boy had been fighting over the last year or so aren't necessarily reflective of how he could perform here against Kevin Holland. But I get what you're saying. You're kind of talking about, you know, the place that Wonderboy's at in his career, the age, the loss is starting to pile up a little bit. You know, the ranking's still pretty high. You know, it feels like a big moment for Kevin Holland. And yes, I think 100% the UFC are rewarding Kevin Holland for what he did. I wish they would do that with Lee Jing Leung, but they did not do that. They they took him out of the rankings. So, um yeah. But I have no, I, I don't think, you know, just because Kevin Holland lost to Hamza and it wasn't particularly close, I don't think that means that he shouldn't get this fight here with the number six ranked guy in the division. I honestly could care less how he looked in that Hamza fight. It was all yeah. so last second and already a bad matchup. I mean, it's too many factors that don't really tell the full picture there, so... I, I like this fight. I think it's a great main event. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be an 
excited. I think it'll be interesting to see how they interact. You know, Wonder Boy, one of the nicest guys in the world. Kevin Holland, a very nice guy who also keeps our streets clean and is about that motherfucking life. So it'll be interesting to see how they get. Will there be some interactions in the cage? I don't know, but I'm excited to find out. Absolutely. I agree. So let's move on to a couple headlines here, Dominic, and we will get into more of UFC Orlando in just a bit. But I'm actually going to flip the order of these. So we'll start with the one that's uh, been out for a little bit. Patty Pimblett, <laughs> the doorbell camera. Uh, Patty Pimblett appeared to be walking his dog on a on a dark uh, dark evening. You know the nights they the days they be ending so quick nowadays. You know it's probably like 4 p.m. when this was being filmed. Yeah. Who knows? But um, he comes up to the door, and the the lady who is uh, talking to him through the doorbell camera, she's actually not home. She's like five minutes away. And Patty Pimblett essentially tells her that his dog took a nasty shit in her yard, and he can't even pick it up with the bag. So it was basically asking for some water. And she's pretty starstruck, says, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll clean it up and whatnot. So, uh, Dominic, when you saw this video, does this just add something to kind of the – the 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 star that is Patty Pimblet, like even a little monotonous video like this could blow up, and now all of a sudden it's got like over six million views online. Yeah, it absolutely just adds to the star power of this guy. He is just such an awesome personality, and it's funny because it came off just that again. I told no this off recording. This is my favorite. MMA video of 2022 the exact quote I have to say at one time I'm not going to try and do the accent because I can't I'm not a scouser but I'm going to say the quote he said he's just had the proper sloppy shit and I can't even pick it up with a poo bag know what I mean that is what he said his dog did <laughs> in her yard and I just think that is the funniest thing in the world but he like it's a genuine act of kindness that he would mm. go to this person's doorstep and say hey do you mind if I clean this off really fast? So it absolutely adds to his character. Like Noah said, 6 million views on Twitter, which is just mind-boggling stuff. A barstool athlete. He's fighting in a co-main event slot now here in a couple weeks' time. The dude's a, a massive star, Noah, and potentially only going to get bigger and bigger. Yeah, that's very true. Obviously, the he's going to have to win, you know, keep mm-hmm. winning to to hold up, up with that. Just the, the kind of head of steam that this guy's built for himself in such a short amount of time. It's been just over a year yes. since he first debuted in the UFC. Um, it's pretty incredible. I mean, I'm a pretty big Barstool fan. I watch a lot of their content. and I mean, he is, you know, they've definitely played a part, but I mean, he is just so electric on his own. Like really yes. Barstool's just kind of along for the ride. Like he's, yeah. he's kind of doing it himself, man. He's, he is really that guy. So if he can keep winning, and I hope he does, I know I've had my takes on here about what I think his ceiling could be, but I'm not rooting against him. I'm obviously like I'd I'd like to see him really uh, make good on the kind of promise that people think that he has. So yeah, um, yeah. I just thought it was a funny video. Thought we'd talk about it. The second one though, Dom. This this one it, it kind of hurts me a little bit, even though like I'm not some huge Conor McGregor stan or whatever but it hurts me a little bit because basically what's happened is artem lobov is suing conor mcgregor and i believe the whole source of this lawsuit is artem has said and claimed that he essentially 
gave Conor McGregor the idea for proper 12 whiskey and did not receive really any sort of financial benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the accusation being that basically Connor took his idea and made it a billion dollar industry and then never, he never got a dime of it. So this hurts me a little bit, Dom, because these are two guys that were like brothers at one time. Yes. Yes. Uh, you saw, I mean, the whole root of the Habib Connor war of words that has spanned years comes from the fact that Artem had some choice words about Habib. Habib cornered him backstage, had some of his boys around him, you know, kind of up, kind of uh, talked him, uh, what do you call it, like undressed him with his words a little bit, like kind of yes. talked some shit, threatened him a little bit. Connor flies across the country, and that's when the whole Brooklyn UFC 223 fight week stuff happens with the dolly and the bus, uh, you know. That's what Connor was willing to do for his friend, Artem Lobob. And now, a few years later, <clears throat> they're going to be in court. Um, you know, it just it hurts me a little bit because, Dom, I just imagine me and you, like, like in these shoes. Like, we do anything for each other. But this idea that somehow if our podcast blew up and we were making millions of dollars that, you know, I just could never... I just, the one of us being like suing the other for, for lost profits or whatever, it just, I, I would hate, it just hurts me a little bit, the idea that that could happen to people that were so close. Yeah, not not a great time to play You've Got a Friend in Me, that's for sure. I mean, <laughs> did you see also Conor Gregor, he always does these little Twitter voice. Dude, uh, okay. <laughs> those Twitter voice chat videos, yeah. whatever you want to call them, they are some of the funniest videos like i swear he's right up on the, the mic like he's just it's, like it's in his right mouth up on yeah yeah and i and just envision just, him like laying on his yacht like a bottle of proper 12 in hand and he's just talking into the mic and he called for artem to meet him at the gym that they train at and settle it last night. And obviously we've not seen anything since he put that tweet out overnight. Cause they're like five hours ahead of us. So we were asleep when this got posted. So that's what I woke up to today. It's just a shame. I, I hope something legally can work out between these two, but you just hate to see it Two friends, two brothers that have been through this fight game together or in each other's corners for fights and this and that traveling the world. And here we are now. So we'll see what happens. I'm sure there'll be a lot more to come, to be honest. it's fun. It, I feel like it kind of just, you heard a little bit like last week, just really tiny snippet. But then when Connor made that video today, you saw more things come out. So now it's probably just going to keep coming out in the uh, coming weeks, I would imagine. I remember a while back, um, I forget if, I think Artem had done an interview with somebody. And this was before they'd appear. Like everybody still thought they were like brothers, like real tight. Mm. And I believe when Artem did this interview, he 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 mentioned. I think I don't even know if it was a video interview or if this was just for like some sort of article or you know if it was all written word or what. I think what I saw was just like a transcript, like written word uh, from an article or something. So I'm not sure if that's the source, but um, where he kind of where he said that he gave Connor the idea of proper twelve. And that Connor had tried to give him like some sum of money as like kind of a thank you, and that he rejected it. 
And I remember at the time, everybody that kind of was tweeting about it was talking about, man, what a guy Artem is. You know, what a brother that he he basically made Connor from a millionaire to a billionaire, which, I mean, first world problems, right? You know, like, oh, what, <laughs> yeah. a, what, a, what an underdog story going from a millionaire to a billionaire. But, no, I know Connor's roots go further than that. Don't attack me in the comments. But, um, but like, they were just saying, like, how – you know, humble and just, I guess, I don't know how humble the guy was to not accept, you know, the, the money, like just that he almost gifted the idea. That was sort of what everybody thought. And here we are months later. And it turns out, I guess that's not really the case at all. Um, it is, it just kind of shows how the perspective can change, like based off what we thought we knew at the time versus what we're sort of finding out now is like, Oh, he probably turned it down. Because it was probably slap in the face, small amount of money. Um, this is all, you know, I'm not accusing Connor or anybody of anything. I'm just saying, um, according to Artem's story, I guess, he probably just like thought it was a slap in the face. It was probably some small amount of money to him. And he turned it down and is now going to sue him. And it's just funny how much that the same story from months ago, yes. but now the 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 logistics behind it have changed massively. Yeah, a complete 180 for sure. Well, that's it for the headlines, Dom. Let's move in into the rest of UFC Orlando, your co-main event. Whew. Dominic mentioned this off recording. There is two Bam Bams on this card. And the co-main features Bam Bam, Brian, Barbarina, taking on Rafael Dos Anjos, RDA, Moving back to welterweight, it appears that after RDA's uh, last loss to um, who did he lose to? Rafael Fazayev. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when he lost that fight, he seemed it seemed like RDA had sort of accepted the fact that you know a future title shot may just be out of reach for him and at this point he just kind of wants the big fights that he can get the bigger money fights that he can get well brian barbarena this past summer had a pretty awesome fight with robbie lawler my hero and yours um and robbie lawler looked great early but then barbarena just laid it on him and finished him and now he's sort of riding a wave here Mm-hmm. And Dominic, you've mentioned off recording RDA, the biggest favorite on the card. And I want to know because you kind of made your thoughts clear off recording, but I do want to know, you know, why do you think that RDA being that high of a favorite is just it too much? I, I think the main factor in my head automatically goes to he's back to 170 pounds. I just feel like Brian Barberena is really coming into his all right now. He's going to be a much bigger man filling out wise at 170. RDA is 38 years old at this point. So I just, it almost feels like he's in a, like no kind of alluded to. He doesn't, he knows that there's no title shots now in his future. So what can I kind of do big fight wise? And while this isn't like some minuscule fight, I mean, it's a co-main event here with, with fans and whatnot, but it is Brian Barberena. So I don't know. I just I get weird vibes around this fight. And I just feel like the way that Brian's looked in his past three, three wins in a row, he's coming off of the finish over Robbie, had a great fight with Matt Brown. And yes, that one was close. So 
But uh, I don't know, man. There's something about this momentum. Pairing that with a plus 400 against a man in RDA who left the 170-pound division a couple years back on a negative note. He was on a losing streak at that division. I just, I, I, I know that he's going to, or at least people are calling for him to grapple, and that's what should get him an easy win, quote-unquote, against Brian. I just think it's a little bit easier said than done in this matchup. Like, this is another one where at the beginning of the week, I was all I'm like, okay, yeah, RDA, Brian Barbarena, there's levels to this game, regardless of weight class. Let's put him on a parlay. Now we're here Wednesday. This comes out on Thursday. I want nothing to do with it. I, I am like, for those betting on this fight, I'd be cautious. And I could be completely wrong. It could blow up in my face. RDA could ragdoll Brian. I just don't see it happening. I think Brian Barbarena is a severely live dog. I think he's severely underrated in this type of matchup here, Noah. I really do. So I've been thinking about it off recording up to this moment. Kind of how I felt about it. You know, I was a little surprised when I saw it was minus 500. And now I think I agree with it. I think I do. I think I agree with the line. Big reason. You made good points about the welterweight was not a division that RDA looked super comfortable in. Mm -hmm. um, he seemed undersized. Um, just didn't seem to be the, the weight class that fit him best. When I think of Brian Barberina's skill set, he is completely outmatched skills for skill with RDA. I may be underrating Barberina when I say that because he does keep getting these wins where we kind of think he'll slip up. But I believe skill for skill, tech, technique, RDA is the much more technical fighter, the mm -hmm. much more skilled fighter. Yeah. <clears throat> However, that is not the way Brian Barberina wins this fight. Brian Barbarina wins this fight by outlasting you, not by being a mixed martial artist or uh, whatever you want to call it. Not by being, not by showing, pulling some rabbit out of the hat and doing some crazy submission or crazy knockout punch or whatever. He simply can take more punishment than almost anybody else on that roster. So he just outwills you. That's what happened with Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler is a durable guy, man. I mean, yeah. this is the guy who fucking, <laughs> he had three back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back fights of the year yeah. back in his heyday. And even now that he's not the same guy, he's been finished. I know Ben Askren finished him, but that one was kind of a weird one. But before that, Tyron Woodley knocked him out. I mean, really, yeah. outside of that, I'm pretty sure it's been all decisions, even in the losses. So for Robbie Lawler, who is a more skilled fighter, to just be piecing up Barbarina, looking good, the boxing looking crisp, the... The, the defense on point, but then Barbarina, just, he kept eating it, eating it, eating it, and landing some good shots, hard shots, finding uh -huh. his openings when he could, and Lawler slowed. He almost slowed down, like tired himself out by punching Barbarina <laughs> so much. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's ultimately how Barbarina just outwilled him. He just wanted it more by the end. He was willing to go a step further than Robbie Lawler was. That would be his route to victory here. But I have to say I agree with the odds simply because when I look at like Matt Brown's fight with Brian Barberina, if you remember, Dom, that was a great fight. You know, we were in Columbus, we got to see it live. Barberina got the win, there was a lot of booze. We didn't like that. But the one thing that stuck out to me that Matt Brown did very well 
was he took down Barbarina at will. He didn't do it a ton because ultimately that fight was fought a lot on the feet. But yeah. every time he went for a takedown on Barbarina, it was easy. Easy. Yeah. yeah. So for RDA, a much more skilled grappler to come in here, and even with the size disadvantage, I feel like that, that takedown is going to be there all day for him. Especially if Barbarina does what he tries to do with like Robbie, where he kind of puts him up against cage, tries to pressure him, get in his face. I mean, if you put RDA up against Fence, he is going to shoot. And yes, maybe it'll be a little telegraphed in the later rounds, but um, I, I think that this is RDA's fight to lose. I, I think Brian Barbarina is an awesome guy to watch. He seems like a good guy, family man. You know, he's been in a lot of really fun fights over the years. I remember the Vicente Luque fight back in the really early days of the ESPN. But I think he gets... I think this fight will look similar to what RDA did to Hinato Moicano earlier this year. I really do. Yeah, and I do want to add one more thing that sides with Noah and goes against everything I said at the beginning of this fight. But Noah put it in my brain. When he said that Brian outlasts his opponents, and that's how he gets these wins and these dogfight wars, how often do we see RDA get outworked and outwilled? Because he's usually the guy doing that as well to his opponent. So it's like a battle of wills in this fight. If it stays on the feet, I just they could trade tip for tab. Who knows? But if uh, RDA can get the takedowns, that's where I really do see the biggest threat. So it's going to be interesting. I'll say if Brian can pull this win off, that's, I mean, wow. Because you know how Dana feels and how to. we feel. You know, if you beat RDA, regardless of where he is, it does say a lot. I, I would have to agree. I would have to apologize to him for underrating him so much on, on this episode. Just because I think he's a good fighter. But RDA is a much better, more skilled fighter at this point in his career than Robbie Lawler is. And yeah. I'll admit, Dom, when you said, you know, who outworks RDA, right? Well, who used to, I mean, for Robbie Lawler, yes, Robbie had some bad losses, you know, over the last few years, the Neil Magny fight, and even the fight against RDA and Colby Covington. But he never quit. He was never, his spirit was never broken. He he was never, you know, in any firefight he had ever been in. He had never really, he'd been caught, he'd been finished, but it had never been like, a broken spirit. That's what it felt like when Barbarina finished him by simply landing a ton of volume and just having more left than him. It felt like Robbie was just straight up like, uh, this is crazy. I can't yeah. outlast yeah. this guy. So I will say the only thing I'll say in response in your favor is okay. I don't think I anybody would have thought. <laughs> yeah, no, this is kind of weird, right? But I think. <laughs> Nobody would have thought going into that Lawler fight like that Barbarina could outlast him, outwill him, outwork him, and it happened. Now, this is yeah. a step up for sure. RDA had more left in the tank in 2019 or 2018 when they fought him and Lawler. He definitely has more left in the tank now. But just saying, like, that that could be just a, a, a that could be an aspect that we're going to find out Saturday. That maybe Brian Barberina is just that fucking dude who just yes. can outlast anybody, even the toughest of tough guys in this in this uh, UFC. So, 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, next next fight here, and we're going to the men's flyweight division. Matthias Nicolau taking on Matt Schnell, number seven versus number eight. I think there's a lot more interest in the Matt Schnell side of this fight. Of course, Schnell really made a name for himself over the summer with his fight of the year contender with Sue Maderji, a back-and-forth war. Um a war of nutrition. I mean, gee, those guys, that fight looked like it was over like six or seven times. Schnell with the comeback victory. It was brutal. It was awesome. It was just a beautiful chaos. Yes. Matthias Nicolau, a much more under the radar guy, hasn't had that moment where he's gotten a chance to really shine. Nicolau, pretty heavy favorite coming in here. Now, the, what I said in response, because I could tell Dom was pretty surprised by that, is let's, you know, in this sport, we talk about it so much. It's so easy to go into a fight and say, you know, it, or everybody says you're only as good as your last fight. You know, that's that's so often what we see, what we talk about. You know, the last fight really shapes your perspective of a fighter, you know. Not what they did a few fights prior, not, you know, it's always in the moment. You know, what was their last performance? That You can't help it. It's human nature. It's the last thing you saw them do. If they didn't look good, you might be a little bit skeptical that they'll look good in their next fight. Yeah. Matt Schnell had that awesome come-from-behind victory, comeback. It was a war, fight of the year. Felt like, man, I could really get behind a guy like Matt Schnell. Matt Schnell's a good fighter. Mm-hmm. I don't think he should be this much of an underdog against Nicolau. But we have to look at the whole body of work and see, for one, that fight can match to do that again, where if he's in a, a fight like that that he had with Maderji, can he really take those kind of shots again and come out on top? Maybe, but Nicolau, maybe not that guy. But you look at the full resume, you know, Schnell has had his ups and downs in the UFC. Here with Nicolau, I do think that paints a more full picture of who of Matt Schnell, fun fighter, good fighter. But can he get over that hump and be great? That That's the answer. He had a great moment. But can he put together a great 100% performance here against a guy in Nicolau who maybe has gone under the radar so much due to his consistency. I'm going to, you know, allow you to have the floor here and answer that question, Dom. Well, I was just going to say, you posed a good question on what we need to see from Matt Schnell or like if he can do those things. So really my question is about Matthias Nicolau because you mentioned how he is underrated and he is, he's on a five fight win streak. The last four, uh, or by decision. The problem is I don't think people really care to go out of their way and watch no. Matthias Nicolau fight. I mean, you saw the response he got when we were in Columbus. They were booing that fight like crazy after the first few <laughs> minutes, and then it didn't stop throughout the remainder yeah. of the fight. He's a very smart fighter. He has a very good fight IQ. He stays out of danger. But maybe he kind of needs that one performance where he really does show us something we haven't seen to put himself into that top five. I mean, no, if he beats Matt Schnell here, we're talking Matthias Nikolai one win away potentially from a title shot right now, but he's got to do something 
to put his name in the hat with all these other guys because all these other dudes in the top five are doing things to make names for themselves. Even guys outside of the top ten like Manel Cop, they're doing things that are getting people talking about them. You, you blink and you miss it. You have no idea Matthias Nicolau is number six in this division right now. So that's my question response for him, for the red corner of this fight. I would say, yes, I agree, that in order for him to even have a shot at getting a title shot or for him to just even be relevant, really, in this flyweight yes. division, he needs something like that. I mean, that's what worked for Matt Schnell. That, before that fight, for God's sakes... On the very first appearance of him on this show, I called him Max for like 10 minutes and thought it was a bullet that when I looked up Max Schnell, it was a Cars character from the movie, yeah. the Pixar yeah. movie, Cars. And I was saying what a, what a travesty it was. And then Dom called me out in episode and said, uh, it's Matt, actually. So yeah, look at how far we've come right. to where now Matt Schnell feels like one of the most exciting guys in this flyweight division, but it was one fight that really set that into place. Nicolau can have something similar to that, but I would say don't expect it to come in this fight because I can't think of a worse guy to test that out on and be like, let me try to get down and dirty and have me a fun brawl. than with the guy who literally came like the undertaker from the depths of hell back and won the fight uh, against Maderji. So yes. that's why I would lean on the side of I, I could see this fight, a lot of excitement, and then Schnell maybe following up that performance with another fun one here. I could see Nicolau really slowing this fight down, doing what he does best, out just being very smart, avoiding danger, and winning a fight, kind of coasting to a victory. And then maybe the next fight, depending on who he's going after, whether it's Alex Perez or someone like that. Yeah. then he might try to show a little bit more of that finishing capability, but not expected here. Yeah, fair. Next up, the other Bam Bam, tied to Ivasa. Get your shoes out, folks. Pour you a tall one and slug it down. He's taking on Sergey Pavlovich. This one shouldn't go long, right? Well, I wouldn't expect it to, no. I'd love to see the numbers on the fight lines. I've not looked yet, but it's got to be insanely high. If, you might have to bet under zero and a half rounds to get any sort of value out of this one, but uh, <laughs> it should be fun because, one, Taito Ivasa has never been in a boring fight. Two, Sergey Pavlovich is a man that has won four straight fights, Noah, four via first round KO, TKO. He's a dangerous man. He had a long layoff, so people forgot mm -hmm. about him, but he has reinserted himself in 2022 <clears throat> big time, and now he's getting the number four ranked man, one of the biggest name people in this division and in the UFC as a whole. If Sergey gets this win, he's going to put people on notice. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I mean, with this win, he could really be knocking on the door for a title shot. I mean, there's a lot to work out in that title yes. picture right now with yeah. John Jones and Ngannou being kind of, for like the 20th time, we're hearing that they're in talks for headlining a pay-per-view. Now it's uh, March, UFC yeah. 285. Um, apparently, if Ngannou doesn't take that date, then Curtis Blades is going to be in that spot, which 2020 me is vindicated because I said that and I have people tell me, how dumb that was that John Jones would never take a fight with Curtis Blades. Not Dom, yep. but other people. Mm -hmm. But um, Stipe appears to be retired. I don't yeah. know. It's 
I mean, he did just lose his dad, so it's kind mm. of up in the air. I'm sure he's just taking some time. There's a lot that has to be worked out. But my point is that Pavlovich, with a win over a name like Tuivasa, a guy who was so close himself to being in the title picture, you kind of have to wonder, if Pavlovich wins this, like what's there left for him to do before he gets the title shot? Especially if he finishes Tuivasa like, early here. I mean, yeah. what a statement that would be. You know, I kind of... I kind of wonder for Tui Vasa if he wins this fight, and this is more of a Monday topic because depending on if he wins, but you know I kind of look, wonder what would be next for Tui Vasa if he won this fight. Mm. If he came out here and knocked out Pavlovich, you know what fight do you do? Because you know Curtis Blades is an option. Don't love that fight for Tui Vasa, but you you know you kind of once you're at the top, you kind of have to take on those yeah. matchups. But let's say John Jones and Curtis Blades is the fight that gets made, and Ngannou's out out for a while. Do you run back him and Cyril Gone? I mean, I wouldn't mind to see it again. I know Dominic said it was like the most effortless, one hundred percent golden boy performance ever from Cyril Gone. But I thought it was a pretty fun fight to watch, competitive yeah. at points. But um, there, there's obviously always going to be options with a guy like Tuivasa, but you just kind of have to wonder, you know, what what's his path from here? Because Pavlovich seems to be the guy riding the momentum. He gets a win, knocking on the door. Can Tuivasa really say the same when he's just coming off a, you know, knockout loss to Cyril Gaon? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. He he may, even with a win, like Noah said, maybe he just finds himself having to fight backwards one more time just because of how crowded it is at the top. And then if Sergey wins, like, yeah, it's huge. You catapult in more fresh matchups, of course, for Sergey. So I guess maybe it's a little easier. Like you could put him with gone or him with blades, whatever works out up top. So I guess it is a little easier for him. It's going to be interesting. And it's just, I don't know, man, like Bam Bam likes to bang. And Sergey proved that he's not afraid to bang. I mean, that's what he did with Derek Lewis when he got that win. So this is going to be a car wreck. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. Next one, Jacker Manson taking on Roman Delize. This was, of course, a late shakeup to this card. Yeah. Uh, who was originally in this spot with Jack? It was Derek Brunson. Yeah, Derek Brunson. That was going to be, of course, a very good fight on paper. Uh, Derek Brunson outs of Roman Delize getting a massive opportunity here. Yeah. And I'm not mad at it. You know, Jacker Manson has – he's been one of those guys that's kind of hard to – to figure out, I feel like when I project him to do really well, he underperforms. And then when I project him to do poorly, he overperforms. Like, I feel like I've never really locked down Jack properly. Yeah. Like, it seems like I'm always wrong about where he stands, what what kind of performance we're going to get from him. So here against Roman Delize, good fighter, but unranked. I kind of expect Jack Hermanson to look really well here. Kind of like how he did a weird fight, but his fight with Chris Curtis where he looked great. I mean, pretty much shut out Chris Curtis, frustrated him to the point where Chris Curtis was, I mean, flipping him off and calling him a bitch and stuff. I mean, it was really nasty stuff. But this could be the kind of fight that Roman Delize comes in here and looks like a beast against Jack Hermanson. Like, Jack just kind of has that capability where he almost feels like a guy who can beat anybody but he can lose to anybody in this varies even more than any other fighter can yeah yeah fantastic nailed it on the head roman 
to being that he's taken this on like what what is it a week notice not it's less mm. than two weeks notice that he's taking this fight he's a big big dude and i just worry with the weight cut on short notice you're going up against a very very just is solid the best way to describe jack herman yeah, he's just such a solid, solid. fighter yeah. so i just if the can't come in and get another first round finish which he can do he's done it twice in a row this year he just knocked out phil hall's one month ago as of yesterday when we're recording this but being all these factors the short notice the weight cut you know Hermanson's going to look great through three rounds. We've seen him look great through five rounds. If it's not over early, the leads they could be in for a wake-up call as ter- in terms of like, this is what it's like here in the top ten. That's what I fear mm-hmm. could happen here uh, in this fight. We'll see, though. If he gets a win against Jack Hermanson from the, I mean, out of left field, not even ranked, not even close to ranked, and comes in and does this, welcome aboard. We'll see what happens. You know when you when you mention someone being solid, I think that's a good way to to label Jack Hermanson, but it's not the same way I would normally label someone solid. You know, normally you'd label someone solid, they're kind of consistently good, not great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jack Hermanson is the least consistent guy <laughs> ever. Yeah. He looks great or he looks bad. So we'll meet yeah. you in the middle. And call him solid. That's that's yeah. Jack Hermanson, you know, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Last fight, deeper on the prelims, but definitely a noteworthy fight here in the women's uh, flyweight division. Tracy Cortez and Amanda Hebas, two of the young up-and-comers, bright young faces of this division. Amanda Hebas looking for her first win as a women's flyweight. She was very close to getting that against Caitlin Chukagian, one of the top dogs of this weight class. While Tracy Tez had kind of a long layoff, but picked right back up where she left off in her last fight, the odds are really close on this one, Dom. Mm-hmm. And I know you're a big Amanda Hebus rider dyer. I don't know what I just said there. Was this, was that English? I don't know. It is now. How do you kind of break down this matchup? As an Amanda Hebus fan, you should know even more than most about what kind of style she brings to the table. But we know the elite skill set, if limited, but elite, that Tracy Cortez has. What does Amanda Hebus have to kind of counteract that? That's the matchup here. This is a this is a really great fight. I'm actually shocked it's buried so far down, but this is a deep card. It's whatever. I'll be watching. Amanda Hebus is very well-rounded. Solid on the feet, good on the ground, great jujitsu, defensively sound. Marina Rodriguez fight excluded, but you know she's got power, right? Trace Cortez not as well rounded as a full complete skill set, but she has the grappling, she has the wrestling. So I am siding with Hebos. Fan bias aside, I just feel like she she has to eventually kind of take that next step because she's looked great in her fight so far. Her only two losses in the UFC are against um, Marina Rodriguez, who was a top three, could have been fighting for a title, and then, of course, Chukagian, who everyone loses to, except for Manon Fior. She did break that spell. Right. So I just feel like if she – especially – like she continues to stay at 125 when I don't feel like she needs to. She's number nine in the world at strawweight, by the way, for those that forgot but she's choosing to stay at 125 for some odd reason where it's much deeper, much harder to get to a title. I feel like right now in the, in the back end of things anyway, in the back end, Tracy is just, I, I, I think that if she can't get the takedowns as easy 
and it's easier said than done, right? She's very good at this skill set. But I feel like Amanda is defensively sound enough to keep it on the feet. And even on the ground, she's very competent down there. And I'm not saying she should just go to her jujitsu because that didn't work for Melissa Gatto. I learned my lesson in that fight, betting on Melissa Gatto. She kind of relied on her BJJ, and it, just, it didn't work. Hibas, I don't think, is going to make the same mistakes. I think the well-rounded, all-complete skill set will overcome that one-dimensional grappling of Tracy Cortez, unless Cortez has added some new wrinkles to her game. We shall see. But I'm sticking mm. with that, Noah. She's been working with boyfriend Brian Ortega. Maybe some uh, some moves mm. uh, that was not as, that was not intended to be a sexual joke, but I feel like it kind of came out of my mouth as a sexual joke. Sometimes you just can't help it. So. <laughs> Um, we get it. The MMA fans get where you were going with it. Hey, so anyways, we'll move on to closing statements, Dom. It's a segment on the show. The only way we end the show, me yeah. and Dominic can talk about anything and everything, MMA-related or not. So we had a very contentious closing statement, so I think that's the word I'll use to describe it, on Monday. I'm going to go first. Okay. It's usually better when you do. Yeah, so, because Dominic, you know, I always put him on the spot, and he's like, oh, hey, let me think. And he normally just says something about, like, oh, man, you know, things are good, you know. And then he kind of finally stumbles into, like, some sort of food debate. Yeah. I'm simply, look, guys, as some of you may have heard on Monday's episode, uh, I have suspended myself from um, MMA sports betting. Yeah. Uh, the only way I can be reinstated into the below average bet slip is for me to get, I'm going to place a uh, place. I'm going to text Dom what my three bets of the card would be mm -hmm. if I were to bet. And if I get all three right in consecutive weeks in a row, that's has to be two weeks in a row, then I can be reinstated. So essentially, I have to go six and zero over the course of two weeks. Right. I stand by this decision. Dominic supports me in this decision. I think I speak for everyone when I say it was not a hard decision. It was actually quite easy on my wallet. So it's so frustrating, Dom. When this is a sport, I literally have a podcast on it. I've studied it, watched it as much, if not more, than any of the other sports I love. And yet I do just fine when I bet NFL, college football, college basketball, soccer. I don't even watch soccer. Yeah. But the moment I go to bet on MMA, it just zilch, zero, nothing. Yeah. So I just kind of wanted to air it out again, talk about it again. And also – there was some words shared about the whole no gravy versus gravy debate. Okay. And, you know, there was there was a lot of people that gave their input. Um, I got told that it was an L take. I was seeing that a lot. And my only response is <clears throat> that as a society... I think it's time that we stop judging others for their food preferences. Huh. You know, I, I've I've never judged anybody for their food choices. And I think 
you all should follow my example and do that as well. So if you guys can start tweeting out hashtag thank you Noah, um, I will probably not respond because I'm better than you. But anyways, Dominic, your closing statement. What a moment. What a moment that really was. Um, I, I hate to end the episode on a, a Debbie Downer note, but I just spent that whole five minutes trying to think of one, and I have nothing, zilch, not a damn thing. I guess that's just a boring life right now, this kind of portion. I don't mm-hmm. know, Noah, but I, I don't even have food to talk about. We'll get closer and closer to Christmas and some big things going on for us. I'll bring the fire. But no. I'll, ask you, I'll ask you a question. So, okay. Okay. Um, we talked about video games a couple weeks ago, and you know, you you admitted yeah. for the first time in like 13 years, no COD. I think it was yeah. 13. I think that's what you said. Yeah. Um. Now that I guess the new uh, is it called Warzone is out. Yeah. Um, has that changed? This controller has not been touched, actually, until right now. And I couldn't tell you how long. So uh, it's a shame. You know, because what's weird, Noah, is that <laughs> I still find myself watching streamers, Dr. Disrespect, mm. you know, shout out Noah's favorite. But other streamers, mm. I, I'll watch them play. But I just, I've had no inkling to go over here, press the power button and sit down and play. It's, it's just, uh, what an interesting moment. You know, it, it hurts. Yeah. It still hurts. But yeah. Still I'm not. glad you. I'm glad you brought up Mr. Disrespect because, um, oh yeah, you know, Dominic of course has a little poster in his room that he can fap off to every night <clears throat> when he stares at him. But uh, here's the thing about Mr. Disrespect, Doctor. I I don't love when people can't step away from their their fucking characters, and that <laughs> dude shows up everywhere in person rocking yeah. the fucking the stash the shades the fucking headset like it's got to get so tiring like you I you gotta imagine. just you gotta just you gotta want to just let your hair down and just <laughs> be mr disrespect or not mr disrespect be whatever his real name is guy b um, guy b i'm sure he just wants to be guy you know every once yeah. in a while yeah. um and also, he's like 6'8". He's a mammoth. I did not know that. Uh, but yet, he plays video games for a living. So, what a waste of that height. But, uh, <laughs> my name's Noah Baker. That's Dominic Slee. We are but just two of the below average Joes. And we'll see you guys on Monday.